I know this isn't breaking any news or anything like that, but the Oklahoma Sooners football program is really bad at playing defense. There's only so many ways we can say it, so I thought I would get that out of the way now. You're not going to get a positive spin out of me about why I could be wrong or how they could improve over the course of the season. The simple truth is that this is who they are. And now that we've established that, let's talk about Kansas. Although they don't pose any significant threat to Oklahoma, I will be using this game as a gauge to see where the team's head is at. For all of the talk around the program about championship November and always playing your best in November, Oklahoma has produced two very underwhelming performances this month. The defense has been mediocre to awful on a drive-by-drive basis, penalties have been a massive problem, and the offense has struggled to keep composure at times on account of them virtually having to win games by themselves. I don't think it's too hot-takey to say that this isn't particularly sustainable. Even with a historically good offense ran by a quarterback having a historically good season. Everyone knows the challenge that looms in Morgantown eight days from today. Be honest with yourself deep within your soul. Do you feel confident about that game at all after what we've seen the last two weeks? One of the sadder thoughts I haven't been able to get out of my head the last few weeks is that this odd, underwhelming, emotionally draining college football season has a seemingly obvious conclusion to it for the Crimson and Cream. Oklahoma is headed straight for a buzzsaw in Morgantown. Do not fool yourself. If the same defense we saw last week in Bedlam shows up to Morgantown, they do not have a realistic chance of winning that football game. That's why I will be watching closely this week against Kansas. The peripherals are what matters here. Where's their heads at? Are penalties a problem again? Are they allowing Kansas to hang around? Are they consistently playing hard? Those are the qualities that a good football team possesses when going against an overmatched foe. Oklahoma has not displayed those qualities in the month of November, like they have in the previous three seasons. If we see the same issues pop up against Kansas, I will be very comfortable picking West Virginia to beat the Sooners in Morgantown on Black Friday. This is a really convenient week for Oklahoma to try and get their mojo back on track against an overmatched opponent. Do that, and everything is still in front of you for a potentially exciting end to a drab college football season. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. there now that's inappropriate that's inappropriate uncalled for and that right there nfl gms are going to see that and they're going to mark it down saying that's not what we want in the national football league it's not what lincoln riley wants at oklahoma it's not what we want in college football as fans a little throwback to the biggest story coming out of the last time oklahoma played kansas espn's dave patch patch pash not really quite sure And Greg McElroy were none too happy when Baker Mayfield grabbed his crotch and directed some profane language towards the KU sideline in November of 2017. A little less than a year later, that whole incident just doesn't seem like all that big of a deal. Sure, it wasn't a good look for Mayfield, but nothing like that has happened since then, and he's played in many football games over the past year, including seven and a half football games in the NFL. Hey everybody, I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the top of the show with his incredibly, incredibly negative opening take. I'll uh, I'll bring that up to him in a moment. Uh, We'll get to him again, of course, in a moment. It is Kansas week, and listen, the the Jayhawks, as Grant 
Grant said this, and he was right. The Jayhawks are awful. They're a little better than they've been in recent years, but they're still a terrible football team. Oklahoma's going to win the game on Saturday. The Sooners are favored by more than five touchdowns, and honestly, that's the only drama. Will Oklahoma cover the spread? We'll answer that question later on when we talk about what will happen and uh, what, uh, what we want to see happen when the Sooners play Kansas. Our game preview is a little light this week because there's no sense in diving too deep into what Kansas brings to the table. It's a team that is not going to seriously threaten Oklahoma on Saturday. So because of that, we're going to tackle some more all-encompassing issues later in the show, including, surprise, surprise, the OU defense and what are some simple things the Sooners could actually do to improve their chances of getting an extra stop or two on defense. Then we'll bring back the hot take of the week segment. Colin Cowherd had a take this week that was actually pro-Oklahoma. If you didn't hear it, we'll play it for you and dissect his claims. Also, we may jump into Baker Mayfield and how he's playing so far this year during his rookie year in Cleveland. Then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings and make our weekly picks. By the way, our weekly picks have been really good recently. Grant's having an awesome season overall now, and I'm beginning to catch up to him a little bit. Both of us are over 50% for the year. Pro sports bettors hope to hit around 55% for a season, which is pretty damn good. Let's just say Grant is right up there. Uh, and so there you go, Grant. I'm, I'm giving you some compliments. We'll bring you back in. But I will say, uh, I even though you're all doom and gloom, I still have a, a weird feeling that Oklahoma is still going to beat West Virginia in a couple weeks. How's it well, going? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going all right. Good on you, I suppose. I just can't. It's uh, I think as fans and as human beings, it's really hard to get to get the thought out of your head, you know, the last time you saw the team play. And I, I mean, I think I said it on the, on the podcast when we were recording on, on Sunday, Lee, if Will Greer was the quarterback in Bedlam, I don't think Oklahoma would have gotten a stop in that game uh, because Oklahoma state, when they, you know, when OU was getting stops, it really was Oklahoma state just shooting themselves in the foot. So, you know, I, with dropped passes with, well, I suppose with the drop passes, Will Greer wouldn't have mattered, but I, I, I I don't. It's <laughs> it's they were bad. Oklahoma was horrible. They, yeah, defense. I mean they, they were was, awful on it defense. It was embarrassing. And, and I'm sorry. I just um, if if at this if at this point in time, if you have any sort of confidence that they're going to hold Will Greer and David Sills and Gary Jennings under 50 points, and I'm being dead serious. Like I mean, I think you're. I I just I I don't know what you're smoking at this point in time. I looked at the weather, the 10 day weather forecast out towards that game and it looks like the weather's not going to be all that bad either i think it's going to be maybe i mean it's a night game so it'll be a little chilly but i mean it's not going to be below 32 degrees i don't think it's going to be below freezing so the weather shouldn't be much of a factor in that game i know you mentioned recently that hey a driving snowstorm kind of like the last time oklahoma played at west virginia in 2016 would actually benefit oklahoma because of the running game don't think that's going to happen this time still though my hopes and my feelings of why Oklahoma, was, I think, can still beat West Virginia and still is going to beat, beat the Mountaineers is just how good Oklahoma's been on the road in recent years. They haven't been losing road games. And also just the offense. I mean, Lincoln Riley knows the offense has to be awesome, and Kyler Murray knows that too. And if I'm going to – They've – I mean, they've, I, they, they've really shown composure issues. Yeah, they have. But, I, but, I mean, that's back-to-back back games now where the defense has been truly horrible. And so – now, and, and you now, really for, think, now for sure the offense needs to take take control. And I think the offense will know that. And you, you really think, as of now, you think that they're prepared to go into that environment, which could, in all likelihood, could be West Virginia playing for the exact same thing that Oklahoma is playing for. 
Yeah, on, I think they're on, prepared because West Virginia hasn't been in that spot in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you're right, but I, I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, this, this buzzsaw is coming, so it's just, just be ready for it is all I'm saying. Oh, I'm ready for it. Okay, it's just, and you know what? OU is going to have success offensively in that game. They will. I, I'm just saying, I, at this stage, if you put a gun to my head, I would have more confidence um, in Oklahoma tripping up on the road than, than I would West Virginia right now. I just, also, too, this doesn't matter a whole lot, but it actually might matter a little bit. Oklahoma's probably going to be underdogs in that game, and they haven't been underdogs in a game. I think technically they're underdogs to Georgia by a couple points, which was whatever. That was a go-either-way game. But Oklahoma was last truly underdogs, I would say, against Oklahoma State and Bedlam a season ago in Stillwater. And, yeah, it was a crazy game, but Oklahoma won outright. So I think – the Sooners as underdogs, too, is a little interesting to me because it doesn't happen a whole lot. I don't know if we know if they'll be underdogs yet. It depends on on what happens, I think, to West Virginia this week. I mean, what if they come out and just lay an egg against Oklahoma State? I think OU would probably be favored yeah, in that scenario point. because West Virginia would be presumably pretty much out of... Actually, no, if they if they beat... Yeah, o- okay, maybe. Yeah, so... Um, and West Virginia plays Oklahoma State. Yeah, I just, water. I just, I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm the, the environment and, and the stakes that they're probably going to be playing for. Uh, it's, it's intimidating. It is. I mean, and I, I'm, this, I don't know what this team has done in, in the month of November to inspire confidence to anyone. Yeah, I mean, the offense is really good. Um, they've had to carry the team these last two games, and they've, they've shown issues with composure. Like I said, when they've, when they've absolutely had to do that. So, I, well, just, just. Uh I'm going to join the group of, hey, the defense is awful, and I'm going to hope for the best because the offense is so good. And sure, and yeah. I, st- I mean, I, I, I also hope for the best. I'm just, I'm just trying I to be. You do. I'm I just trying to be just, realistic. Is all. I well, mean, yeah, this I'm, is just don't, don't be surprised if, if they get. Well, no one's going to be. No one's like, going to be surprised. No one. I mean, no rational person would be surprised if Oklahoma loses that game, considering the way the defense is played. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to win for sure. I'm just. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I mean, people seem to be. I, and and I know this is the extreme example, but I mean, if you if you replicate in Mor- in Morgantown, if you replicate or replicate what happened at the beginning of the game in Lubbock, I mean that game's over. I, I mean automatically if that happens. So I mean, like I, I just o, OU's offense Lee is going to have to be perfect in that game, and they put up and they know that and but Lee they put up seven hundred yards against Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, and they weren't perfect in either of those games, and yeah. like they're. I'm just. That's why I'm still confident in the offense, and unless it's really good, and yeah, and I mean, if maybe if, the defense can surprise us, maybe I, I yeah, it's it's going to take. They're going to have to. They're going to have to turn West Virginia over a, a couple times. I think. I, I just. I don't. West Virginia, they, they they can throw the ball. They have a competent coaching staff who will put together a good offensive okay, yeah, game I know. plan. Okay, and I okay, just we're talking way too much about West Virginia. We have plenty. We have all next week to talk about West Virginia. I know, but I mean that's. That's what's down the rope, though. I mean, not freaking Kansas. What is there to say about Kansas? I, I was- well, like I said a second ago, and like you're saying, there's no need to dive too far into it. All right, but it's not. I mean, what the the West Virginia game is in is is in eight days. It's not like it's a eternity away. It's just like I mean, I don't. Yeah, Kansas just doesn't interest me really at all. I'll I'll, I'll play along well, with your gonna- with your games with everything, but Kansas. Well, we're can, not going to talk a lot yeah. about Kansas, but I think we have to give it a little bit of uh, a little bit of talk time because that's why a lot of people listen to this podcast is to get information about the upcoming opponent and how Oklahoma can attack the upcoming opponent that 
honestly, people can't get anywhere else that you're not you're just getting generic stuff about, oh, yeah, Oklahoma's playing Oklahoma State. Hopefully Oklahoma plays well. I mean, this is this is the podcast where we try to go a little bit more in depth. And well, admittedly, we're not going to do it super in depth with Kansas because it's not that interesting because it's kind of pointless. But I still have some thoughts to, to get you a little more ready for Kansas. Okay, that's fair. I'm just saying, like, the whatever we say about Kansas is not really going to mean much. I mean, this is Kansas is the level of a bad group of five team. They're, they're that atrociously terrible. So I just, that's all well, I Well, you know say. what, Grant? You're saying all these nasty things about Kansas. Here's what I want to do, though I want to say something nice about Kansas, and I want you to say something nice about Kansas. Give me, give me one thing that may help Kansas make this a game on Saturday for. A couple quarters maybe even three quarters and you know what to get the ball rolling I'll go first I gotta say it's Kansas and for the first time in a while Kansas is not the most embarrassing power five team in this in the, in the country that honor goes to Rutgers this year a team that Kansas spanked by 41 points back in September Rutgers just uh, to give you some more information on the Scarlet Knights one win this year that came over Texas State in week one so that means that Rutgers has now lost nine games in a row KU is 3-7 and seven and actually won a Big 12 game. It was over TCU, 27-26. The Jayhawks were in danger of allowing a game-winning touchdown, though, in that contest with under a minute to play. But Darius Anderson fumbled the ball in the red zone. Kind of a soft fumble. Kansas recovered, and Kansas won the game. And in that contest, Kansas forced two turnovers. And this is the stat that I, I saw, and it blew me away. Kansas is actually one of the best teams in college football in getting takeaways. Kansas is tied for sixth in the nation with 23 takeaways, but it's a misleading stat because KU got 12 of those takeaways in early season wins over Rutgers and Central Michigan. Still, though, Kansas has forced 11 turnovers aside from those those two games, and that's 11 turnovers in eight other games. That's still more takeaways than the Sooners have forced in all of their games this year. Oklahoma just eight takeaways all season long, which frankly is terrible and one of the worst numbers in all of college football. And Grant, I have one more nice thing to say, which something tells me that I have all the nice things to say about Kansas and you're probably not going to have any at all. Maybe one small thing. My one last nice thing is that freshman running back Puka Williams is actually a pretty solid player. He's averaging nearly six yards a carry, fourth in the Big 12 in rushing. Khalil Herbert is a complimentary running back for Kansas. He was on the team last year. Uh, Puka Williams is better. Herbert's okay. And Kansas actually rushed for 147 yards against Iowa State earlier in the year a few weeks ago. And that doesn't sound all that impressive, but that was the most yards Iowa State has allowed on the ground since Oklahoma had 171 back in September. That was a lot of nice things I just said there about Kansas. I, I don't even think a Kansas football podcast would have that many nice things to say about the Jayhawks Grant now it's your turn you literally just took the only good things that you can say about Kansas and now you expect me to just I I literally wrote the exact same stuff that you did oh come on really yeah they're fourth in the country in turnover margin they're plus 13 they've turned it over 10 times this year most of which are fumbles they don't really throw a lot of picks they've only thrown three this year Um, they've taken it away 23 times this year that's a lot that's very good so um, six against Rutgers, six against Central Michigan, though. That's oh, why it's, yeah, that's a good point. So that's, that's what I was. Up. That's why I was saying the stat was mis- it's a, it's a misleading stat, but still more takeaways in the eight other games than Oklahoma has all year. Fair, 
Yeah. Um, and then the other things I said is, uh, is, is Puka Williams, their freshman running back, is a nice player. Um, and so is Joe Deneen, their senior linebacker. And that's about it. There you go. Joe Deneen. He's still on the team. The dude that gets like, a, like 30 tackles a game. At least last year, it seemed like he did. I remember when we had the Kansas preview a season ago, it was insane how many tackles some of those defensive players had. So, But, uh, okay, so those are some nice things. But overall, Kansas just is not good. So now is the part of the show where we throw cold, wo- cold water on all that Kansas stuff. And let's start with the offense. Actually, you know what? Since I went first last time and took all your stuff, maybe I'll let you go first this time to just rag on Kansas, and that way, uh, that way I won't steal all of your your um, your stats or comments on Kansas, and then I'll have to just fill in the blanks when you're done. Well, Lee, um, I, simply Kansas is the worst team that Oklahoma is going to play this season, um, which is you know I I, <laughs> okay. I, I, okay. I I guess saying I guess saying a lot. I mean FAU looks pretty terrible. Um, it's actually gonna. It, it's it's probably going to. Uh, if, if you remove Kansas from the equation, the worst team that they're gonna end up playing in, in non-conference is probably UCLA, at least by because FAU has kind of improved the last last three or so weeks of the season, um, and UCLA I think is still only has two wins, and everyone knows about Army. They're they somehow have won eight games, but Army's gonna go ten and two. Yeah, no, they and are playing a they are. playing so. maybe an okay bowl game. Yeah, which is Army's a good football team. Which is what you said. I mean, yeah, hats off to you for saying that. I mean, they're that that debacle still never should have happened earlier <laughs> this year. But anywho, yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is the worst team OU is playing this year in Kansas. Um, they're they're so bad on offense. Um, I've had to I, I've kind of gone away a little bit from my S and P numbers the last few weeks. Um, I'll, I'll go back to it now for Kansas. Lee, they're 119th in offensive S and P out of 130 teams. Um, that is the worst offense that Oklahoma has faced this season per those numbers. Um, they're knocking on the door to their on defense. They're 97th on defense. This is the worst defense they've faced um, in about two months as well. Lee, Kansas is just a really, really awful football team. There, there's not not much else to say about it. There's a reason that David Beatty is getting fired. Yeah, that's a bizarre thing that he's already been relieved of his duties, yet they're letting him finish out the season. That's a what a weird thing. You mentioned the offense not being very good. I'm a big yards per play guy, and the Jayhawks have the worst yards per play average of any of the teams Oklahoma will have faced this year. KU averaging less than five yards per play, 4.9 to be exact. The Jayhawks fired their offensive coordinator, Doug Meacham, after losing to West Virginia in early October. KU's played four games since then, and the offense has not been any better. At Texas Tech, 4.5 yards per play. Versus TCU in a win, 4.5 yards per play. Versus Iowa State, four yards per play. And at Kansas State a week ago, the best it's been since Meacham was fired, five yards per play. Uh, team, This team can't move the football. It struggles. More on Kansas's offense. Quarterback Peyton Bender, he's okay. Oklahoma didn't see him. Uh, Oklahoma saw him at the end last season. Carter Stanley was the quarterback a season ago. Carter Stanley is pretty pretty bad. Peyton Bender is definitely a better player. He's played pretty well in recent games against West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas State from what I saw. And he's also been poor in games against Texas Tech and Iowa State. He's got a little bit of mobility. He can be accurate with the football when he's given some time. The problem seems to me, seems to be that his receivers 
are not good. The skill position players, the receivers for Kansas is not great. I saw three total dropped, not just drop passes, but three total drop touchdown passes in those games uh, I was watching where he where he was not very good. And frankly, I didn't watch the games all the way through because I didn't want to have to, I don't know, go drink myself into a stupor afterwards because it's Kansas football. So I suppose you could argue, Grant, that Kansas offense may be slightly better than the numbers suggest because of all the drops. There's tons of drops. Well, aren't receivers kn- part of an offense? Exactly. That's the thing. Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, but who knows, though? I mean, maybe these receivers don't drop passes against the soft coverage of Oklahoma on Saturday. Maybe they're they're not nervous because there's plenty of room to work with. They don't drop these balls. I think it's certainly something to be mindful of on Saturday. That's the offense. Still, it's not a good offense. But uh, on defense, I think KU, I was hearing stuff early in the year about how KU is kind of trying to adopt the Iowa State philosophy and drop eight, rush three, keep everything in front of you, try to limit big plays. And that's what Kansas wants to do, but it's not working. They give up six yards per play. Kansas is a better team at stopping the run than defending the pass. But like you said, it, it shouldn't matter. Kansas hasn't seen a rushing attack anywhere near as good as Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, like we've said a lot of times in the last year, should be able to do whatever it wants on offense, on the ground, through the air. Just be smart, impose your will on the uh, Kansas defense. So that the whole offensive thing with the drops is kind of interesting, but still, this is a bad offense. Um, all right, so before we say what we want to see happen on Saturday in this game, and then we'll do the what will happen where we'll give our predictions. Grant, I want to address the Sooners' defense kind of for the first time in this show, uh, seriously. And obviously you can comment on some of this stuff, but Lincoln Riley was somewhat defiant on Monday. And you saw his press conference, right, Grant? Yeah. Barry Trammell from the Oklahoman asked Riley some pretty direct questions about the defense being bad. And good on Barry for asking him. And Riley, he did his best to support his team. He said stuff like, if being 9-1 and one is disarray, our defense has had a hand in winning all nine of our games, or all nine of, nine of those games. He also referenced, this is Lincoln Riley, he referenced you know recent success by Oklahoma in the Big 12. He dodged some questions about the defense, I, I got to say, I mean, about the defense being bad. And, and he clearly doesn't want to, throw his defense under the bus publicly he doesn't want to throw Ruffin McNeil under the bus and Grant you and I we, we lamented the fact that Oklahoma's game plan against Oklahoma State's offense was to take away the run game and to make the Cowboys one-dimensional it did make sense considering what we'd seen from Oklahoma State so far this season it would seem that Oklahoma went into the game went into, into Bedlam not thinking that Taylor Cornelius could be effective throwing the football which may have been true if Oklahoma would have tried to heat him up a bit and send some pressure to force Cornelius into some uncomfortable moments, which is what you and I were hoping for, and and it didn't happen. And then we saw Cornelius throw for more than 500 yards. And so I sent you a podcast from the Sports Animal here in Oklahoma City of Dusty Dvorak talking about the Oklahoma defense, and Dusty was getting really hot about the way Oklahoma's defense is playing. He criticized the effort of the players. He criticized the secondary. He questioned Kerry Cooks. 
Dvorak criticized the players, seemingly always celebrating the smallest defensive accomplishments on the field, even when they didn't have any hand in creating an incomplete pass, for example, which is something that I've been critical at times of, of the guys this year. You see the incomplete pass signal after the ball is thrown too far. They didn't really do anything, and they want to celebrate. Uh, Dvorak also criticized, to some extent, the simple approach that Ruffin McNeil has been taking, uh, specifically how if one or more of the players are not comfortable with a part of the game plan that Oklahoma just throws it out. And the implication that Dusty was making, I think, is that there the players need to be better at understanding the game plan and saying, I don't get it. Tell me how to get it. Basically, the the eh, I don't understand this. Dusty, I think the implication was that can't be an excuse. That Because if, if one guy doesn't get it, you shouldn't have to just throw out maybe – a part of the game plan that could be effective. So I think a lot of really good stuff from Dusty Dvorak, and I think that means a lot because he's a guy who played high-level defense in Oklahoma and knows what it's like to win and have success in the Big 12 and nationally. So, Grant, I know you listened to that too. What were your takeaways from Dusty's comments on the sports animal about the Oklahoma defense? I thought he made a lot of good points. I thought, I mean, I, I didn't find a whole lot to disagree with him there. I thought he was pretty forceful on a lot of his language. Uh, maybe a little hyperbolic at times. I thought he went off the rails at the end. He started talking about how great of a defensive coordinator Mike Stoops is, and um, that's just objectively not true. So, um, Not anymore, at least. At one point, you could make the argument that he was. Yeah, yeah, sure. But clearly not anymore. He And Dusty is obviously a, a, a friend of Mike. I mean, he, he, was, he played for Mike Stoops, and he interviewed Mike Stoops on the radio after he was fired. So clearly there's there's a positive relationship there, so... I agree that when you when you bring that up, that that hurts his argument a little bit. But overall, yeah, I mean, and also, you know, I I I think uh, he he lets the he let the coaching staff off a little a little too easily as well. He put a lot of the blame on the players, which you know I I I understand, and I I think that's a legitimate argument to make if you want to make it. Uh, But I, I I still can't get over the fact that this defense is made up of a bunch of dudes that every program in the country wanted, um, and that. You know the common denominator amongst all of this defensive struggles is the coaching staff. So I mean that's it's pretty clear to me, but it's it's also just me. So well, he did he did mention Kerry Cooks by name. Didn't go into details really, but he just mentioned him and said the secondary is playing very badly. But that was the only coach aside from Ruffin McNeil and talking about this simplistic stuff. So let's be honest. We've been wanting Oklahoma's defense to do different things all year long, and the vast majority of the time, Grant, we don't see any changes when the game happens, and I think Bedlam's a perfect example. Oklahoma did basically the exact opposite thing it should have done in defending Oklahoma State in Bedlam, in our opinion. However, I got to say, I've got one truly simple thing that could help the opposing team get off the field maybe one or two more times than, than we have seen. I mean, not... This is not going to make Oklahoma an elite defense, but maybe one or two more possessions for the offense, for the Oklahoma offense. I got to say, guys, just take a few steps up and make sure the cushion is not as soft. I know it's we're just banging the drum and this has become a cliche by now, especially if you're playing man coverage. Or if you're going to be playing man coverage and you're given a lot of cushion, play aggressively when the ball is snapped. Take a couple, couple smart read steps in to eliminate some of that space and maybe perhaps you'll be able to break on a ball 
and make a play, the quarterback will think that you're playing eight, ten yards off and he'll want to make that quick hitch and and your aggressive, smart read steps in at the snap will actually turn into you breaking on the ball and making a play on it, getting an interception. I've got an example of one snap in Bedlam, and there's probably more, but I didn't have enough time to go back and truly watch it as closely as I would have liked. But one snap in Bedlam, if Oklahoma's secondary would have played it tighter, like I'm saying, the result of the play may have been positive for Oklahoma as opposed to negative, which this is the touchdown pass to Tyron Johnson over Trey Brown to make it 14-14 to in the first quarter. Brown was playing eight yards off the ball. Now, imagine if he was playing, let's say, four yards off the ball he cut that in half and he got a little bit of a bit of a hit on Johnson in the first five yards which is legal so maybe even he's he's not even four he's maybe he's close to the last scrimmage he gets a jam on him you know disrupts that timing a bit he could have disrupted the route of Johnson just enough to make Taylor Cornelius hold the football for a half second longer which would have allowed Mark Jackson and Neville Gallimore to hit Cornelius, potentially sack him, maybe tip the ball, goes up in the air, maybe something crazy happens. This was on third and 11, by the way. So if it, the best worst-case scenario, maybe it's a field goal attempt. Here's how the play went if you watch it back. It goes snap, 1-1,000, 2-1,000, ball out. I mean, it's that quick. And when the receivers can freely run their routes, it makes it easier for Cornelius's timing and it makes it more difficult on the pass rushers to get there. If, if the timing of the route would have been disrupted by a, a half second, the pass rushers might have been able to get there because three seconds, it's, I mean, that's, that's not a lot of time. And Cornelius got rid of the ball that quickly. And so I think that, like, whenever, like, now I'm going to switch over to the defensive line because. I don't believe the OU defensive line grant is Wait, as big I, of a problem. Oh, yeah, go can, ahead. Can go I ahead, comment sorry. on that first? Yeah. I'm going to say this as... I'm just trying to say it as politely and bluntly as possible. You're wasting your breath by, by talking about that. I, I, I just... It's, Lee, this is... They are coached to be that far off the ball. It's not, it's not going to change. I know you... You started covering the team. You started watching them really, really closely in you know, the fall of 2016. Man, this has been a thing since... I've sit for a long time. It, it's not it, this dies when when that defensive coaching staff moves on. Is all I'm saying. That's it's that's yeah, not changing now and never will. So you're just kind of I think you're just kind of working yourself up by by even throwing it out there as a possibility. The reason why I wanted to do that, and I know it's not going to change. I, the reason why I wanted to bring it up though is when I've heard guys like Dusty Dvorak this week and others who criticize the Oklahoma defense. I never hear truly solid uh ways to fix it like i i'm sorry i don't accept things like effort dusty's talked about effort a lot i think that's kind of a cop-out thing i think it effort's kind of like okay you can have a great effort if you're running a stupid scheme it's not going to matter you could be busting your butt doing everything right and i think you could i think people can use effort as an excuse it's kind of a cop-out excuse i'm not saying that every single play oklahoma is going balls to the wall but I don't think effort is as big of a deal as maybe some may think I so what I wanted to do is I wanted to provide something because you're not going to overhaul an entire defensive scheme now and that's obvious just like some small little things that could change which again I agree it's not going to happen and a lot of it too is I wanted to defend the defensive line because I heard Chris Landry of Landry Football I'm not sure how, how familiar you are with, with Landry football. 
Uh, he was on Sports Talk 1400 in Norman, Oklahoma, uh, saying that he believes Oklahoma can be like Clemson. The problem is, though, the Sooners don't have the talent on the defensive line. And, I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's talent on the D-line isn't close to Clemson, but a lot of teams in college football don't have Clemson D-line talent. I mean, probably nobody, nobody does. does. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy knows his stuff. I know he's a coach, he's a scout, et cetera, things like that. But I just I disagree with him that the biggest issue with Oklahoma's defense right now is the defensive line. We've seen the D-line play pretty well the past four games when going to an even front. The problem with this Oklahoma defense, in my opinion, is scheme and the second and third levels of the defense. The linebackers aren't very good. Sorry, Kenneth Murray. Sorry, Curtis Bolton. And the secondary is terrible right now. I mean, so that's that's what I'm seeing on tape. I mean, look at we didn't talk about this in the last podcast on the drive where Oklahoma State went down to score just before halftime. Grant, when Oklahoma had had gotten a two score lead with a minute and change to play before half, you think, oh, this is good. Oklahoma might be able to separate here. And then Kansas, Kansas, Oklahoma State went down and scored relatively easily when Oklahoma was dropping eight guys. The second play of that drive. After Oklahoma State had ran the football, I think, for four four or six yards. I can't remember which which one. Curtis Bolton was walking to the sideline behind the line of scrimmage off sides, just not even aware of what was going on, and then looked back and realized that Oklahoma State was snapping the football, and he was five yards off sides. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. It drove me insane when I was watching and, it. But I it's just... like, what is happening? Like. This is the guy who, I mean, he always says really good things. He's a, he's a good soundbite, and he's one of the leaders on the defense. I mean, that's an effort play that you can point to, I suppose, and a guy just not paying attention. I mean, that's incredibly low amount of awareness there by a player that's one of the, the senior leaders on this team. Man, I just that was so bad, and the ball was incomplete. It was a, a pass behind Dylan Stoner. He should have caught it, but it was incomplete. still didn't matter because it was a – uh, no, I mean, it was offside, so Oklahoma State got five free yards, and from there on out, they just went down the field easily. But it's just stuff like that is just like, man, that that that's not good by your linebacker, one of your one of your top linebackers, and uh, no need to say anything more about the secondary. The secondary is really bad. Yeah, and so I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to revisit. More comments? What, yeah, I just wanted to revisit what you said about what the what the biggest problems with the defense is. Um, I understand what you mean by scheme, but I'm I'm now convinced the biggest problem with this defense is is the philosophy and the culture because I think that begets bad scheme. That that's why I mean I'm I'm banging the drum. It they need they need to make a change. Uh, everybody yeah. everybody needs to go at the end of the season. Not I, I mean on, on the on the defensive side, and I I, I don't and, and <laughs> Get I know Riley out of, here too. Yeah, and I'll I would. I would be open to to reconsidering, you know, Calvin Thibodeau, you know, to be determined. But that that's what needs to happen. They they need new voices and they need new philosophy in there. All right. Well, that's that's all I have on the defense. Let's let's close this Kansas stuff out, Grant. What do you want to see? I mean, we we can be quick on these things. Uh, what I want to see, what I, what I want to see happen is not going to happen. I want to see the defense actually do something different and hold Kansas down the defense might hold Kansas down just because Kansas is truly bad but if we have the same kind of game plan where they play a bunch of off I mean Kansas can have opportunities to move the football through the air because I Bender's not a terrible quarterback I've seen worse quarterbacks than Bender so what I want to see happen I want to see the off basically I want to see the offense go out and do whatever it wants and score a lot of points and Oklahoma wins the game comfortably what about you yeah I, I think just you know on the defensive side of the ball Lee 
when when they have had good defensive performances this year, it, it's when their defensive line has been able to assert themselves and basically end the game early. Um, you saw that happen with FAU, UCLA, sort of against TCU, and of course against K State. The defensive line just absolutely just dominated in the trenches, and I think that's something that could that could probably happen in this game as well. Um, we'll see. I don't know. It, it's never a bad thing um, to have a good defensive performance before you you have to go play at West Virginia. So we'll see what happens. But I I think this is a game in which the defensive line uh, can have a good game. And also, Lee, I, I just I I'd like to see only one half from the first team offense. Let's get Hollywood some rest, and you know. Because they might need to score 60 to win in Morgantown. All right, Grant. Oklahoma is favored by 35 and a half points. I, I don't have a score prediction for this game. However, I don't think Oklahoma covers. I don't trust this defense enough. I, I, I can see Kansas scoring enough points to stay within that big, big number. So I don't have a score for you. Oklahoma's going to win the game, but I'm going to say Kansas covers this 35.5-point spread. I know that's, that's not a great what will happen for me, but I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I was spent on all the positive stuff and all the defensive stuff. That's all I have. What about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to roll. They're going to win by a lot. Um, I think Kansas, you know, like backdoor covers – so there, it's not going to be like a cover where everyone's freaking out because Kansas kind of hung with them. It's going to be backdoor. I mean, OU is going to be up by 40 at some point in time in this game, I, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Lee, S&P likes, likes OU to cover um, comfortably in this game. Yeah, and, yeah at, and I'm not surprised. S&P likes OU by, by six touchdowns. Well, I remember last season, Oklahoma had a miracle cover in Lawrence when the weather was pretty bad and it was super windy and Austin Seibert kicked a field goal pretty late in that game to cover the spread Oklahoma won the game by 38 it was 41 to three and the spread must have been something like something kind of like this probably 36 37 because I remember I was on OU covering and I remember Cyber kicking that field goal and thinking yes just got it so they did it last year we'll see if Oklahoma can do it again this year at home I think the weather's supposed to be pretty good All right, let's bring back the hot take of the week segment in a moment. Plus, maybe we'll we'll do a little bit Baker Mayfield talk. Maybe we'll see how much we go into it. Uh, He's been he's been mostly really good so far this year and had his best game as a pro last week. Uh, We'll talk a little about college football playoff rankings. uh, Then we'll do our picks against the spread. All of that soon. But first, just want to invite all of you out there to subscribe to West of Everest on iTunes. All of you new listeners. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And also, if you'd, if you'd like to, please leave a rating. Leave, uh, leave a review if you'd like. If you have a couple of moments, go for it. We'd appreciate that. If you're on Facebook, find the West of Everest Facebook page. Give us a like right there. If you give us a like on Facebook, then you can participate in our three-word reviews that we like to ask you for after Oklahoma games. That's been a, a smashing success so far. Uh, and we also ask for three-word reviews on Twitter. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Grant at GrantBenson25. I'm at LeeBensonNews9. And email is still a thing. You can email the show westofeverest at gmail.com. So let's do the hot take of the week segment. And this is something that we had quite a bit eh, here and there during the offseason. Colin Cowherd was a frequent, frequently showcased person in this segment, I guess. Uh, today, that's not going to change. Cowherd said something positive about the Sooners this week. 
when he was discussing who should make the college football playoff, Colin acknowledges that it looks like Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, those guys, those teams are one through three. But for the fourth spot, he's not a fan of the deserving argument, the, the teams that are most deserving. So listen in to Colin's hot take, and then Grant and I will comment. But the question is at number four. If you want to go deserving, somebody's going to get beat by 40. Georgia, Oklahoma are the only teams that could get into that four spot that can make Bama work for it. They'd be disruptive. And Georgia's getting their shot in the SEC championship. So cross them out. You get one, you don't get two shots. Oklahoma has to be in there. They have all the ingredients, big boy offensive linemen, big boy receivers, mobile quarterback, and a brilliant head coach. Nick Saban's never faced Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's a world-class. Dallas Cowboys want Lincoln Riley. NFL teams want Lincoln Riley. I guarantee you, if you ask Nick Saban outside of Georgia who he doesn't want to play in that first game, it's Oklahoma. He'd love to face Washington State. He looks at how small they are. He'd love to face Michigan. That offensive line for Michigan is mediocre. Who would Nick Saban not want to play in that first playoff game? Georgia for a second time, and that's unfair, so cross them off, and Oklahoma. I don't care about your deserving. I don't care about deserving. I care about disruptive. Grant, I think this might be the first time on this podcast that you and I are going to agree with Colin Cowherd. What do you think? Oh, I mean, there's the... I agree with him about OU and how I, you know, I think they stand a better chance against Alabama than a team like Michigan would. Um, his his argument about how deserving should matter is a terrible argument. So this is, I mean, this is a uh, this is an instance where two things can be true at once. He's right about Oklahoma, but I, I don't know how you how you determine how you know what teams are going to play in this playoff if you don't use the deserved argument. Because what he's arguing for is basically just to go look at the recruiting rankings and just put them in the playoff every year. I could talk about this for hours. That's a really bad take from Colin Coward. The deserved, like I, I understand what he's saying. But to completely remove the whole like deserved argument is just is really stupid and nowhere near as smart as he thinks it is. Okay, I actually agree with what you just said there. So I suppose what we were what I meant, you know, with us agreeing with Colin is that Oklahoma would be a team in that one four game compared to somebody like the teams that he mentioned, Michigan or Washington State, that would that would give Alabama a game. Would would and it, would actually would would make Nick Saban a little uncomfortable. Honestly, I think that, that's the thing it, we agree with. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, it kind of shows you how much how much college football he watches or or doesn't watch. To be honest with you, um, Notre Dame is the team that he should consider on the outside of there, not Michigan. But I guess that's just that's splitting hairs. I guess. Well, I think he was just basing it off the fact that Notre Dame is undefeated, and it's well, the the top three teams are unbeaten, one through three. Michigan's so. a better team than Notre Dame. I I don't. There's not really anybody who is, and of course, after I just talked about deserve, of course, you know Notre Dame did beat Michigan earlier this year, but actually, it's it's quite. I think that's quite the black mark on Michigan's resume that they lost to Brandon Wimbush. I think you brought that up too. Yeah, that's uh, why. But, I I'm not buying this argument that everyone's making now that it, that Michigan's better than Notre Dame. I think they are I, right now. I, I think they are. I mean, Michigan has gotten better as the season has gone on, and so has Notre Dame, but. I, Notre Dame is, is is actually more limited on offense than I think people realize. They're, they really I, I know uh, everyone has kind of fallen in love with Dexter Williams, who's a guy who's kind of come on for them lately. Their running game's not very good. Like they, people need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Notre Dame, if they played 
Alabama or Clemson, they're going to get smoked in the first round of the playoffs. I guess we'll see. Um, and that's and that's what he was. I think that's what he was kind of arguing against. You know, he and I, I'm with you. The whole, the whole like, oh, it, it shouldn't matter if a team is deserving. Just who's going to give? Who's going to provide the best game? That's that's not really fair. And I think you have to be as fair as possible in this. I mean, granted, if if both Oklahoma, both Michigan, everyone wins out. Yeah, I mean, in that case, their their resumes like they have this. They're both conference champions and you can i guess take pick take apart the wins and losses you know who they've beaten and who they haven't beaten in that sense uh, yeah i guess michigan's loss is better because it's against a, a notre dame team i mean texas is texas is eh, i mean they're not that good we michigan michigan's been more dominant than ou has i mean that's but yeah i mean i guess the point is though if if you want to uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Michigan hasn't played anybody. I think the Big Ten sucks. I think the Big Twelve is better than the Big Ten this God, season. All of college football sucks this year, Lee. There, uh, there just really aren't a lot of good teams. I mean, we're OU's best win is still against Iowa State, which I mean, don't get us wrong, it's a good win. Iowa State's a really good team, but after that, I mean, you got you just, I mean, just the. I don't know. I don't all know. of the they five and five teams in the Big good. Twelve, and I don't know. It's just they, they don't have much of a resume. I, mean, I agree. It's, it's but nobody does. Nobody has a good resume, so it's that. That's kind of the uh, the ironic thing. Clemson has an artificially good resume because the ACC is terrible and they've beaten other teams who have beaten other awful teams. Um, like for I mean, what what was Boston College ranked going into that game on Saturday night? And like twentieth, I think. Clemson freaking showed up and yawned through that thing and won by twenty. Yep, should have been a shutout, save for a special teams touchdown. Because, yeah, boss, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. So, yeah, okay, well, hey, it's, it's good to have the hot take of the week segment back for at least a week. Yeah, no, I think this is like, this is a super, uh, this is one of his, uh, and if, if, if Coward is anything, I mean, he's consistent, especially with this. He's been beating this drum for years. With the, I, I remember his, I remember this argument even all the way back in the season when um, when Alabama and LSU rematched in the national title game. He was he was a big time proponent of that was the right thing that was the right thing and this was his main uh, this was his main reasoning. It's like just look at him. Alabama was clearly better than Oklahoma State, and I just I understand these arguments and he I, he was right, but man we gotta we, we can't. We can't make decisions like this based on arbitrary feelings. It needs to be about what happened on the field. And that's like, what college football does, and that's why college football is a great sport, but it could be so much better, and it's it's so maddening. And I know we've gone – I've done this probably a handful of times on this podcast over the years. Over the years. it's We've had this podcast for over a year. But uh, I'm, I'm sure whenever this, – this is the time of year, Grant. I'm going to have my my playoff rant at some point. It's coming. It's it's going to come out at some point. I just don't know when it's going to come out. Probably maybe I, I don't even know yet. I, I have to tweak it a little bit. I have to add some more stuff to it. Is it going to be just, like what? Is, is this just your annual rant or what? Well, I just I'm always tired. I'm tired of people who say eight is the sweet spot. Eight teams is the best. Eight would be better than four. But if eight's a sweet spot, why wouldn't more teams be better? And so it's just, I'm not going to go into it right now because I want to be able to gather my thoughts a lot more and, and have a better argument because I've done this multiple times before. But I'll leave with this is that 
FCS, they've had 24 teams in the playoff for years, and I understand that the bowl stuff would have to change drastically for NCAA, FBS, and I understand that conference championship games would have to go away. Fine, conference championship games are, for the most part, useless. Who cares about conference championship games? So I, I'm, just, I'm so tired of college football being really fun and really cool, but I hate that it's being limited by people that have say and people that are in charge that aren't willing to change it enough to make it even more fun. And just that that just gets under my nerves. So the thing that what? triggers me, Lee, is the is the people now who are saying uh, keep it at four. Four is perfect. It, if you expand it, it'll the the it will cheapen the regular season guy just pisses me off, man. Yeah, because they're that they're is the one same of the guy. Worst arguments ever. They're the same guy who is saying that going to a fourteen playoff will cheapen the regular season. Yep. Oh really? Oh really? Hundred percent. And, and you know it's, why? Like, and and Go like it, I I know I know it's been it's been four years of the playoffs now and people actually forget this, but when the playoffs started, there were still a lot of people who thought that that they should just they should still have the BCS. You don't really hear a lot of those people anymore, do you? Yeah, and one of the main guys who's like the chair of the college football playoff committee, Bill Hancock, he was a big time. Oh, we don't need a playoff. Two teams is perfect. This is great. And now he talks about how great the playoff is. That he's like he's an OU guy, so I know he's thought of highly around here. But I'm sorry, I that guy is a hypocrite, man. Uh, I've never met him. I you know what? If I ever get a chance to meet him, maybe he's a perfectly nice guy. But clearly, he he said things back in the day about the BCS that were just talking points at the time. And I don't you know I really don't know what he believes. Put it that way. So I, I don't know if I can trust that guy because he used like- to say that the BCS was great. And now he says the playoff is great. Yeah, Lee, I, I used to I used to be kind of a proponent of that. I, I was I didn't love the playoff when I first, you know, when it was first being talked about. Um, I, I was fully on board after year one because, I mean, it was just great. But I mean, my uh, my main argument at that time, Lee, was that it was going to cheapen the regular season. And now I think it's very ironic and it's very interesting that I've, I've done a complete 180. And I think. I think not expanding it has been cheapening the regular season uh, because it's just, especially in a season like this, when it's just, I mean, what a dull yep. season. It's and, so and dumb. It's can so Can you imagine stupid. how much more exciting it would be if we had some more, you know, if we had more, uh, more playoff spots to talk about? I, I really do think that that would, it, people who bring up the, the argument that it's still not going to solve the, you know, the people are still going to be upset who don't get in that, who cares about that? It's just all about making it a more interesting product. And, and that's what this is about. And also, I the, the guy who says, look at college basketball. Nobody cares about college basketball anymore until March because the regular season lasts so long and and doesn't matter. So many teams make the tournament. Please don't compare basketball and football. Please don't. They're two different sports. You know why college football's regular season would not be cheapened? They play 12 games. There's barely any games. And they play once a week on the same day. Exactly. It's very rare. It doesn't cheapen the season. It makes the season better. And you've made the argument before in the, in the past about how if they did expand the playoff, we'd see even better matchups out of the non-conference because it wouldn't kill your chances at the playoff to lose a game. Yeah, that you could. it would only help you to play a, a tough non-conference schedule for seeding. Because if you lost it, everything is still ahead of you going into conference play. Yep. It's just, it's, 
And I know and, Joel Klatt's a big four is perfect, don't expand it guy, and he is, and he thinks he's right. He thinks he's like the smartest guy in the room, but he is so wrong about this. And I would love to debate him on this topic. He won't I would love to debate him. Him and and his ilk, they they will never be truly converted until it actually goes to it and they see it in real time and real life and how how good it would be for the sport. <laughs> it's just. You're probably right. It's just sad that it would it, it takes people to actually see it where it's like, well, we've already basically had this happen where people, we expanded basically a plus one and everybody loves it even more. It's so much better. And it is. The, the playoff now is a million times better than the BCS. And you know what? The BCS was a million times better than not having the BCS. Just picking it based on like what the AP poll, a champion, like how ridiculous was that for all those years? So we ended up talking about the playoff a lot more than I thought. Uh, speaking of the playoff, any comments on the rankings? They didn't change in the top 10. No, I don't think, I have, right? I yeah. have none, and I think the the rankings I think are are right, except for well, okay, LSU shouldn't be shouldn't be in the top ten, uh, but you know, other than that, I, I I don't really have anything against the rankings. I, I guess if I had to, I, I would maybe flip flop like LSU and UCF, except I wouldn't have UCF that high. I just have UCF in the top ten. Are they in the top ten? Uh, I'm checking right now. I think they're eleven, aren't they? Uh, yeah, 10 was Ohio State, right? Yeah. yeah. UCF's 11. So, yeah, the top 10 did not change. And uh, my only comment is if I'm a Washington State fan, I'm unhappy because I think Washington State has enough of a resume and is playing really good football right now. I think Washington State could be the number six team and jumped LSU and Oklahoma because coming off a nice road win over an okay Colorado team, comfortable win. Washington State has got a pretty good, pretty darn good offense. Gardner Minshew's a good player. And then Washington State's got a pretty good defense. They play defense at Washington State. I know the Pac-12 is not very good, so that's probably why they're not as high. But, yeah, I mean, I think Washington State's playing some pretty good football right now, so I'd be a little perturbed, at least better, at least above LSU. I mean, up a spot to seven behind OU. So that's, I guess it's the only comment I really have on it. I think the only team in the top ten that wouldn't smoke Washington State is LSU. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm saying. Like, Washington State's not – Outside of LSU, I think Washington State could definitely beat LSU. Outside of them, Washington not beating anybody in the top ten. They're, oh, they could that, beat they could beat Ohio State. I I mean, yeah, they could. I think they could beat West Virginia be, too. I think they'd beat West Virginia too. Washington State's defense I, is really good. It's Washington State's defense. I I and the I offense sus- is good. I suspect if they went up against an offense with a pulse, they'd get shredded pretty hard. I guess I have to look at their schedule to see the best offense they faced this season. Like, I mean, I've I have no reservations. OU would would put up fifty and over six hundred yards on Washington State, just rolling out of bed. So yeah, probably. Yeah, they gave up too many points to Stanford. That's that's true. So it's it's been playing a little better football recently. They got Arizona and Khalil. I mean, Tate. they're a good is team. Khalil Tate even playing? Is he injured? Yeah, he's still, playing. Or? He's playing, but I think he's still he's been kind of hobbled all year. But no, Washington State's a good team. They're just not. I mean, yeah, they they don't have any talent. So, like, you can still be a good team and not have a lot of talent, and I just, I... Okay, yeah, I mean, good on them. They've had a really nice season. Washington State is, Washington State is a product of a, of a very down season in college football. True, true. All right, Grant, Big 12 games this week. TCU at Baylor. Baylor's a two-point favorite. Then a couple, uh, then we'll go Texas Tech at K-State. And then two pretty pretty big ones. Uh, we got two thirty. You got West Virginia at Oklahoma State, and then you got Iowa State at Texas, a top twenty five game. And we're gonna save those two bigger Big Twelve games for the picks. 
And honestly, I don't have anything to say about Tech or K-State or Baylor or TCU. So if we want, we could just move right into the picks. Sound uh, good to you? You don't have any? Oh, yeah, you just said they're for the picks. I don't know. TCU and Baylor, Lee, I think that's actually... If OU does want to get to the college football playoff, they probably need Baylor to win that game. Yeah. <laughs> I sure what another another record? win. It would be Baylor needs a win to get to bowl eligibility. It'd be a win over a bowl. Oh, team. okay. Okay, yeah. So I mean, that's the same. I mean, they're in the same boat too. They need Oklahoma State and Texas Tech to win another game so they can get that on there. See, that's that's kind of the, that's that's the crappy thing. You got Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, who are both five and five teams. Who I think if they were playing in the ACC or the the Big Ten or even the SEC and with the division scheduling, I mean those are teams with the right schedule could be like you know could be one or two lost teams right now. I truly believe that. Maybe not I, Oklahoma State, but Texas Tech for sure. Let's see. Well, we got uh, Baylor and Tech play the last game of the year, and they're both playing separately this week. I mean Tech should beat K State even with even with Jet Duffy playing. And uh, I agree. I mean, Baylor at home. Baylor's an okay team. I mean, so yeah. I mean, ba- Baylor's that. Baylor's probably going to lose a Texas Tech. So yeah, Baylor probably needs to beat TCU. So I, I got you. That's a good point. Yeah, Baylor's a you know Baylor is is really solid on offense, and yeah. their their defense is 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 really really awful. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go to our picks against the spread. And you know this podcast is moving. I like it. And I got to say, Grant, you and I were both pretty good last week. You were three one and one, and I was four zero oh, and one, and we both pushed. That's the that's the last one. You and I both pushed that Clemson Boston College game because, again, because that special teams touchdown by Boston College. If not, I'd have gone five and zero. Oh. And the one game you lost, I believe, was Auburn. I think you I think you were leaning towards Auburn over Georgia. I was I I only just went to on be Auburn different. with that just to be different with you too. I yeah. So for the season. You know, let's give Grant some credit here. Grant for the season is 28-21-1, which is a 56% win percentage. It's really good. It's really good in sports betting against against the spread. I'm at 26-23-1, which is 52. Still not bad. I'm over 500 for the first time in a while. So Grant and I picking these games pretty well. First off, Ohio State. And this is a tough week. There's not a lot of good games this week at all. We're going to go Ohio State on the road laying 14 points at Maryland. Um, now I'm realizing that I haven't done enough research on this, so this will be a lean for me. Uh, Ohio State did what it needed to do against Michigan State a, a week ago. Uh, the offense is is not good, and I, I know Michigan State's defense is good, especially stopping the run, but, man, Ohio State's offense is, is kind of a, a, a small – trash can fire right now still able to do enough on the road uh i think maryland is i'm not like, grant do you know much about maryland because honestly i don't know much about them this year are they are they showing okay mm, they, they've had some good games they've they have some explosive athletes on offense their quarterback kasim hill actually just tore his acl um so that's why i like ohio state in this game um you know, Maryland is what they are. I mean, they they, they have some they have some talent on the outside uh, on offense, but um, you know, I they're they're obviously a program in disarray. I mean, look what's going on over there. And plus, now I mean, their their quarterback just tore his ACL for the second time in in like thirteen months. So, um, I, I, I I this is a game. I think Ohio State, even 
kind of seems like they're in disarray. This is a game they should they should probably just show up and, and win by by three or four touchdowns. I'm actually going to take. I'm going to lean Maryland plus the 14 because even though the guy tore his ACL, they have that backup quarterback Pigram, I think. And I remember he played a little bit last year before he got injured. And Maryland just all their quarterbacks got hurt a season ago. He came in. Looking at the box score, he came in and played a little bit last week against Indiana, played pretty well. I know Indiana's not Ohio State, but the Ohio State, another road game, back-to-back road games. Maryland's, I think Maryland's offense, even with a backup quarterback, will still be able to do something, especially against an Ohio State defense that just isn't isn't that great right now. They had a bit of a break against Michigan State. Michigan State's offense is is down with Kansas, Grant, as far as yards per play. I mean, Michigan State and Kansas are like tied for yards per play this year on offense. I mean, that's Michigan State's offense is terrible. Oh yeah, they're close. Michigan State's a hundred and third in offensive S and P. So I'm, I'm going to say, you know, Ohio State playing another road game. That's tough. Maryland coming home, two touchdown dog. I'm I'm going to lean Maryland in the points on this one. Uh, next game, uh, maybe the biggest game of the week. It probably is the biggest game of the week. It certainly has a lot of implications for Oklahoma fans. Syracuse against Notre Dame, and the game is at a neutral site in at Yankee Stadium, so it's not in the Carrier Dome. Notre Dame is laying 10 points. Notre Dame minus 10. Actually, I've looked at the weather forecast yet for this game. I'm looking at that right now. Do you have any early thoughts on this one yet, Grant? Just that I, I think, you know, Syracuse does appear to be a pretty good team, and I don't know. I just my, – my gut, Lee, is telling me that Notre Dame is going to win by, like, a lot. But I think a lot of that has to do with just sort of my really pessimistic attitude just towards this entire college football season in general. Look to this game, Lee. I mean, if if, if this is a game where Notre Dame just kind of rolls and is never really threatened, then just I just kind of pack this season up. It's just going to be – I think it's just going to be chalk all the way through. But, you know, I I going into it, my, my head is telling me to lean Syracuse, but like my gut is likes Notre Dame a lot. Um, been going – been going more with my head this year, so I'll, I'll I'll lean Syracuse. Just I mean the the, the numbers you know s- say this is going to be a close game, so I'll 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 just kind of stick with that for now. All right, well, looking at the weather forecast and this game not being at the Carrier Dome is that that sucks. I mean, hoping for a Syracuse upset. You know, Syracuse beat Clemson in the Carrier Dome a season ago, and Syracuse is a good football team. They can move the ball. It's nice to see the weather forecast. This is a 1.30 kickoff on Saturday, so it's an afternoon game. The high in the Bronx in New York on Saturday is supposed to be 48 degrees and sunny, a little bit of wind. So the weather looks like it's going to be pretty good. So not, It's like not too terribly cold. Perfect football weather for the guys on the field. Yeah, so you know, hopefully Syracuse's offense will be able to move the football without weather being a problem. This is going to be the best offense, I'm sure, that Notre Dame has seen since which one? Maybe trying to go over their schedule in my head um do you have any do you remember let's see they played mm. notre dame let me pull something up real i'm quick. sorry they played stanford they've played uh i mean last week was florida state florida state's terrible i'd say uh, the North best w- it's it's a toss-up between stanford and michigan are the best offenses they faced what about pitt isn't pitt coming on lately i think pitt yeah pitt has a really good rushing attack let me look kind of where I mean, that was a low scoring game when notre dame played pitt it was 19 to 14 notre dame and Man, now it's uh it's, it's another close one where if we look back, it's like, God, ah, wouldn't nice to have Pitt just Pitt come is, out on top of that one. Pitt's forty fourth in offensive S and P. Um, 
They're seventh rushing S&P, so that's a really good rushing offense. Where's Syracuse and all that? Syracuse, let's see here. What's their S&P? I know you like their S&P a lot. Uh, yeah, they're 39th overall in S&P. They're, they're only 39th in, on offense. Um, that's a lot of points. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I can see why. I mean, they're not. They're in the middle of the pack in terms of efficiency. They're 57th in the country in success rate. Um, they're they're kind. They're marginally explosive. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I, yeah, I we mean, think, we we think Ian Book's coming back. I know Brian Kelly believes. I think Ian Book's coming back for this game. So better quarterback in Brandon Wimbush had his moment in the sun against Florida State. And now Wimbush or uh, now Book will be back. So uh, ten points. Uh, right now, I'm going to do a little more research on this game. So but I'm, I'll lock my pick in on the podcast. I might change this though if I have to make a pick later on. But I, I really want to grab Syracuse in the points. But I, I'm going to lean Notre Dame. I think they're on a mission, and I, I'm not so sure Syracuse has a defense. And I know that Syracuse offenses can score. That's a lot of points. But uh, I just have a feeling that maybe Notre Dame's defense will be able to, to slow Syracuse a bit. So I'm going to lay the 10 and lean towards Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, you know, it's a good pick. I, I think you can, you can definitely argue either way there, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll be, I'll be pretty upset if my, if my gut turns out to be right and Notre Dame just kind of rolls, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a game that we all should be paying attention to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's the game of Saturday. That, that is the game. I mean, that's, that's by far the biggest game of the day. So we'll see what happens. All right. We have two Big 12 games left and one American Conference game. I think it's the American Conference. Is that what Cincinnati UCF? Is that an American Conference game? The American I, Athletic, yeah. American Athletic Conference, okay. The AAC. So, so let's go with that one. Hold on, let me check here. When I put this rundown together, this game didn't have a line, and it still doesn't have a line, at least on ESPN. Huh. I wonder if someone's hurt. It's that's usually the case. I know in the NFL the Ravens are are playing um, the Bengals, I think, and there's no line for that one last time I checked because I think Joe Flacco's status is up in the air. I don't know why there's no line for this, so I probably shouldn't have put this game on here. Yeah, why'd you uh, do that? I, I thought there'd be a line by the time that we did the podcast. There's not though, and I don't want to like search for one because I, I bet I could find one. But uh, we don't have time for it. So let's treat well, this as a pick. You know, who's going to win? <laughs> pick them. Oh, I mean, UCF's going to win. I don't know. Cincinnati's got a pretty good defense. I mean, they're at home at night on primetime ABC. And it's game. I'm pretty sure game day is there. UCF's going to win by like a million. Yeah, they have a defense. So their defense is awful. I think Cincinnati's offense is awful. All right. So I just Googled real quick. And apparently Central Florida opened as 10-point favorites according to Odd Shark. So we're going to go with that. We're going to go UCF minus 10. In that case, Grant, I I actually like Cincinnati. Okay. I've seen Cincinnati play an okay amount of football. They got a pretty good defense. And um yeah, UCF like, doesn't. That's that's a lot of points. I'm going to I'm going to say I like Cincinnati. I like UCF. All right, so we're different on that one. Uh were we different? I think we might have been different. Did you take Syracuse? Yeah, I leaned Syracuse. Wow, so we're different on, on all three of them so far. All right, so we're going to finish up with a couple of Big 12 games. First up, the afternoon contest, 2.30 kickoff. West Virginia laying five points 
And honestly, I think I just saw that now it's down to four and a half at Oklahoma State, Grant. And I got to tell you, I like West Virginia. That's a short line. I think West Virginia's defense will be more willing to go after Taylor Cornelius and make him uncomfortable than Oklahoma was. And we've seen that against uh, when Taylor Cornelius faces a defense like that. He's not very good. It's They're coming off of the big bedlam. You know, it's a loss. I West Virginia is a really good team this season. The offense is very good. Laying less than a touchdown. I know it's on the road, but Oklahoma State hasn't been world beaters at Boone Pickens. I know they beat Texas there, but before that, they hadn't been very good. I like West Virginia, and I, I'm going to double-check this, but I think it's now four and a half. I certainly would prefer four and a half to five, but um, either way, I like West Virginia. What about you? I also like West Virginia. I think West Virginia is peaking right now. I think they're playing their best football of the season right now. Just something Oklahoma usually does in November. So, you know, I I like West Virginia. All right, it's still but I could, five. But, you know, I, I could also see a uh, – I could see a scenario too, I guess, where, uh, where Oklahoma State can kind of heat them up a little bit and turn them over. Because, because outside of uh, – Outside of West Virginia's left tackle, is it Yadni Kajust or something like that? They're they're pretty average up front. So I, I suppose I could see a scenario where Oklahoma State's able to get a lot of pressure on Greer and make yeah. this a little closer than we think. Yeah, Greer has thrown more picks this year than I would have liked him to, to throw. Doesn't mean anything going against Oklahoma in a week and a half because Oklahoma doesn't get turnovers. So I know exactly. Yeah, I think. I mean, but Oklahoma State really hasn't either this year. But they've at least been able to sack the quarterback. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that's got, weird. Yeah, and they got to Kyler Murray a few times too. So they're they'll they'll definitely get to Greer a bit in this game. And our last pick, our last game. It's another Big Twelve game. And how about this, Grant? Iowa State. Where do they rank now? It's I think they're like number sixteen. Does that sound right? Or were they in the? Yeah. Number six, 16 now against Texas, who is 15. So 16th-ranked Iowa State, 15th-ranked Texas in Austin. And I believe this game is on the Longhorn Network. Uh, that is terrible. How, uh, the Big 12 needs to figure this out. They'll, this is the game. Texas gets us on the Longhorn Network. Nobody gets the Longhorn Network. I mean, This is, this is the most consequential game of the, of the week. And, yeah, the game's not even on national TV. That's a that's an embarrassment for the Big Twelve. That is, yeah, exactly. That, and it's not like what could and like especially now it's like I, I know they used to do that kind of annual LHN or uh, the the Longhorn Network game. They usually did that when they played Kansas. Why on earth would they do that for Iowa State? Especially yeah. after last year, Iowa State being like you you couldn't you couldn't foresee this game maybe being a really competitive good game. Doesn't make any like come on. Great for the Longhorn Network for all. I didn't know many people get that. I mean, like I get that channel, but I mean, we're. I mean, you probably get it too, but we're in the minority I think I have when it, it comes yeah. to because, like, we love sports and we make sure we have all the channels. But regular people that maybe want to watch this game may not have this channel, and so that's that's really dumb. And I want to watch this game. I mean, I, here we go. I mean, I I like Iowa State plus three. Sorry, Texas is three point favorite. Basically, they're saying these teams are even, which in the rankings, sixteen and fifteen, they are. Uh, Texas three points for home field. Texas is favored by three, but I like Iowa State. Iowa State's just a really good football team. Uh, Texas is a favorite. Don't love them. And I think Iowa State's defense is going to make Sam Ellinger look kind of regular. And uh, I think Iowa State's offense is going to be good enough. Texas's defense is struggling recently. And Iowa State seems like they're on a mission to me, too, that they want to – it's almost like Iowa State wants a rematch with OU. So I like Iowa State plus three. Well, I want a rematch with Iowa State, so – 
be careful what you wish for, Iowa State. Um, Did I you pick the game yet? Yeah, I lean Iowa State. I suppose. Um, Lee, I think we're getting into the territory. You, you, you're underrating Texas's offense now. They've been pretty, pretty GD good on offense since the OU game. I, I'm just. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 good care. on like, and and Ellinger's a good player too. You're, he's he, he's he's certainly trending into underrated territory. So, I don't care. I don't. I don't think they're very good. I, they're they're good on offense. I they, I mean this this is a good offense. It's a good passing offense. And hey, we and geez, man, now I feel like I've been more positive about Texas than I have been about OU in this one. Um, but I mean, yeah, they, Texas has a good offense. I, I don't I don't think it's great. I don't think it's dynamic. I th- I think it's good. I think it's a good college offense, and it's 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 mostly because of of little Jordan Humphrey. He's a really good player. Yeah, I mean Texas has a good offense. I just okay. I, it's 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 a combination of Sam Ellinger and and LJ Humphrey. I yeah. do you remember in the remember in the the preseason Lee when we kind of railed on the two Texas receivers being on that top one hundred players list? Yeah, LJ Humphrey is absolutely a top one hundred player in college football, and Colin Johnson probably is too. Sure, I mean I'm uh, just you saying. See, you see the Blitnikoff semifinalists or whatever are out there's like 11 of them and and yeah. hollywood made it but uh you know it, they, they never put two players from one team uh, the fact that i mean cd lamb is is most definitely a one of the best 11 wide receivers in college football i just you look at some of the guys on there i i'd feel pretty confident about cd lamb granted i know his numbers aren't as good as hollywood's and yeah those probably those those lists go by numbers yeah. I mean, they don't. So it's just, I mean, he'll use that as motivation, I'm sure, moving forward. And he'll say, nice job, Marquise. Way to go. Way to go, Way to go Marquise. Go get that Blitnikoff. I mean, it's it might be Tylen Wallace's to lose, man. I mean, he's going to keep putting up numbers. Oh, he. I, I would pick him right now. I mean, he's he's good. He's really good. I guess his numbers are even better at this stage of the season than they were, than uh, James Washington's was last year at this time. So, I mean, he's like outpacing James Washington, who won the award. Yeah, I think he's a more yeah. I like I said, he he reminds me of a of a more explosive Sterling Shepard. Um, I you know Sterling probably probably a little bit better at catching the ball. I think he had he had tight, three yeah. drops against three, OS, yeah. against OU and still had over two hundred yards receiving. But yeah, he's good. I mean, he for every drop he has though, he has kind of an amazing catch. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't have he he had kind of built up a pretty pretty impressive collection of like uh, of mossings this year surprisingly over yeah. people because what is he like he's like 511 so or something like that yeah I, I remember just a quick little little news story we did on on uh the uh, in oklahoma city on news nine we do just these quick things in the preseason talking about some of the players i remember i saw tylen wallace and he had some some sound because we don't always go to the osu sound that our tulsa station does that they help us out anyways i remember Thinking like, yeah, like watching this guy play a little bit last year. He didn't play a whole lot season ago, and he was asked about, hey, was it nice to kind of learn from James Washington? And he always said all the right things. And yeah, he's great. And I remember thinking, yeah, he's going to be pretty. I'm sure Tylen Wallace will be pretty good this year. Didn't think he'd be this good. Like maybe going to lead the Big Twelve in receiving. Good. I mean, so good on him, man. And he, also, j- just another random thought, Lee. And I think we've we've probably said this about the Big Twelve. I mean, for I mean, it's it's been a, a a full decade now. We've been talking about the Big Twelve in this light, but I think I I don't think the the conference has ever been this deep at receiver. And I know that's something that we that we almost say every single year, but it's I mean, this year it is true. This 
this is the deepest conference I've ever seen at a, at a position. I mean, every, what is it? Every team except for Kansas and Kansas State has a dynamic receiver who can kill you. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia has more than one. Oklahoma has more than one. You can make the argument that Oklahoma State's got more than one. I mean, Texas Tech's got more than one. Texas, Texas has more, has than, more than, one. than one. Uh Hakeem Butler at Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State, nah, I mean, maybe it's just Butler. They have some nice complimentary players. Baylor still has Mims and Hurd. Yeah. I mean, this and is not to mention they have Platt, who who's that track star guy, but apparently he doesn't stand out as much anymore. But Chris Platt, who ended up like breaking his leg or tearing his ACL against OU last year. He was the really receiver fast. the receiver depth in this conference is is terrifying. And you mix that with with defensive philosophies that just haven't caught up yet. De- defense just has not caught up to the Big Twelve yet, and I, I don't know if it's ever going to. I just uh, you know Iowa State's on the uh, on the right track, it would seem. But man, it's just I, it is possible to play good defense in this conference, Grant. It is. I think it really is. It's just you have to have the right system. You have to. What Dusty Dvorak said in his that podcast we referenced a long time ago in this podcast is. It takes it takes effort and it takes a lot of hard work and it's not easy. And it's it seems like a lot of these Oklahoma defensive players seems like oh if, as long as I just go to practice every day and I go to the weight room and I watch film like it's just it's just come to me I just I deserve to play defense well and then they get on the field and they look like trash. It's like no it takes a lot more than that. You got to go the extra mile it would seem like and the standard on offense is there for Oklahoma and you always hear Kyler Murray talk about the high standard of quarterback play and how the offense is supposed to score a lot of points every single game and be incredibly good and efficient. The standard on defense isn't even there. There's no stand there's no standard on defense. And the fact that there's a super high standard on one side of the ball and really nothing on the other side of the ball is is not good and needs to change. Kind of reminds me honestly Lee of the old of the old Peyton Manning Colts days. That's what it's starting to remind me of, where they they tailor their practices completely around the offense. They don't ever hit. They're never physical, um, and that that bleeds onto the defense. I mean, even if you, you know, even yep. if you do scheme well, and even if you do have good players, when your when your culture is built around, I mean, frankly, being soft, how can you play good defense? And, you know, if you're going to do that and that's the way you're going to run practice and you're not going to hit a whole lot, which is fine, at least, you know, you're going to do a lot of seven-on-seven, seven, I would assume. At least you'd hope that your secondary players knew how to cover and knew how to, how to find the football and make some plays on the ball whenever you're seeing elite offensive players every single day in practice. Yeah, that's the most, no. that's the most unforgivable thing, Lee, I, I think about even the Big 12 is, is all of these defensive backs who play in this conference come from Texas. I mean, for the most part, where seven-on-seven seven is king. And I... I, I, I guess I just don't understand why there just aren't better defensive backs that are being developed out of this part of the country. Or maybe they are, and they're going to other schools, and you know, we just don't see them. But I don't know. You, you would think that the secondaries in this conference should be, should be really formidable when you have when, when pretty much every kid coming in from the state of Texas just has rep after rep after rep. But, nah. Blows my mind. Yep. Blows my mind. That's our picks. That's it for today. Hopefully you all can enjoy OUKU this Saturday. We'll be back Monday to break it all down. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.